Welcome to the Mujeron Podcast, a place for the modern Latina who is ready to get out of her own way and build the life she wants. I'm Sonia Alejandra, your host and the founder of Mujeron Movement, y juntas we'll explore the topics of self-development, entrepreneurship, community, and everything in between that empowers us on our journey to becoming the Mujeron of our dreams. Vamos a lograrlo juntas. Hola, Mujerones. Welcome back to the Mujeron podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. We recently announced and dropped all of our speakers, and I am so, so, so excited to have this Mujeron at the Mujeron Movement 2022 event that is going to pour all of her knowledge, sazón, fire. She's bringing it all to the stage Please help me welcome Tania Mendez. Thank you so much, Tania, for being here with us today. Yes, I'm so excited to be on the podcast. I'm like so mad that I didn't hit record like the 15 minutes we just chatted because literally this woman was just dropping fires and bombs. And I just feel like these are the type of conversations that we need to to have and like Latinas just need to really just hear this more often. But first, I want to start with your story. Tell us a little bit more about you and how you became a career coach. Yeah. So um I'm half Latina, half Cape Verdean. My dad is African American. So I think that that's important because that's definitely part of my story. But um long story short, to bring it all in, I would say, you know, I had a traditional upbringing. Um, you know, I went to school, I ended up going to college, I grew up in Arizona, I grew up in um, New Hampshire, and then I ended up moving to Arizona. And when I moved to Arizona, I went to school for broadcast journalism. So I was like, going through all the motions. Um, and then I thought I wanted to do politics and broadcast journalism. At one point, I wanted to be a reporter. And then I was like, no. Um, but I started after college, I really started establishing myself kind of like in the corporate space. And I had jobs with different, you know, companies. So I worked for the White House at one point on a different project. And then I worked at ASU. And then I started going into beverage. So it's been a journey. But I think the point that I got to when I was like, okay, I'm going to become a coach is I've always been an advocate for equal pay. Um, I experienced my own inequities when I was joining corporate America, being underpaid, undervalued, you know, burnout, all of these things. And it really hit me when COVID hit and seeing so many empowering, admirable, amazing leaders leaving the workplace because they were either moms or they were caretakers or they were just tired of being undervalued and underpaid. So when I started seeing this like mass exodus of women from the workforce, I was like, wow, this is actually um, very alarming because I feel like there's been so progress with women's rights in the workplace over the last 20 years and seeing all of that kind of go down the drain with so many women leaving the workplace or starting their own businesses which is amazing. I'm glad that they started their own businesses, but it really empowered me to step into a position of leadership and really guide women through the process of accelerating their growth within the corporate space and knowing how to advocate for themselves, knowing how to have difficult conversations, knowing how to be a people manager and run teams. So all of those are kind of my expertise, 
But it was in 2020 that I was like, okay, I need to go all in. I'm going to become a coach and I'm going to start coaching these women that we need in the corporate space. Yes. And I love seeing your journey because we met back in, I think it was 2020 Mm -hmm. where we did some type of collaboration and just seeing how you've really stepped into that and helped so many women, you know, increase, whether it was increasing their pay or getting better promotions or whatever that was for them, just seeing you has been incredible. So congratulations for doing that. And I feel like there's so much power in really realizing how you saying yes to your dream has then allowed other people to say yes to theirs. There's so much power in that. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what we were talking outside of recording when it comes to you handling, you know, your business and also, you know, being a leader inside your corporate uh, job and how important it is to kind of paint that picture. I think a lot of times we see entrepreneurship as this glorified thing online. And it's, it's almost like, people celebrate leaving their nine to five to become entrepreneurs. And although for, for a lot of people, that's the goal. Sometimes, you know, we also have to give credit and, and celebrate the people that are killing it in corporate America, especially Latinas that are just taking director, you know, manager and VP roles that are not only representing us in those spaces, but also they're helping our people within there. Um, I, I I just thought about this conversation we had at, at the We All Grow. I went to We All Grow this past weekend. And um, one of the ladies said, like, how do we bring more people, more Latinos into these type of positions? And she said, we have to infiltrate. Ooh. And like, that's, yeah. you know, we have to infiltrate. Like, we have to put ourselves in those spaces so that we can bring our people up. So I think that I want to shine a little bit of light to that as well, how important it is for us to also be killing it in the corporate space. How have you been able to manage and what, like, tell us a little bit more of what that looks like being a leader inside the corporate world, but also building your own legacy with your business. Yeah. So I think it all comes back to kind of like representation. Um, Growing up, there was obviously there wasn't any social media. I didn't see a lot of me represented in the things that I was passionate about. So I think that that made it a little bit more difficult for me to wonder, like, how did that person get to that role? Or how did that person succeed? Because all I was seeing um, was like white women or um, white males. And so even in college, like I went to ASU, ASU is pretty diverse. And I started being in rooms where I was seeing women in leadership roles, you know, like one of my bosses, she was the Dean of Students at ASU. So I think that there's just so much power in seeing women that look like us that come from backgrounds similar to us in those spaces. And I think that it also is an opportunity for them to invite other people to the table. You know, when one of us levels up, the rest of us level up. And I think that there's so much power in that. Um, In the corporate space, I can tell you personally, when I see somebody get promoted to a role that is Latina or is Black or is Indigenous or is Asian, like I am so hyped because I know how hard it is to break into those spaces. And knowing that those people are not only taking their skills and their knowledge, but they're taking their whole culture with them in that role. I think it's just so exciting and motivating um, 
balancing the two now, I think a lot of people ask me like, why are you still working corporate? And there's definitely that energy of like F corporate, you know, like they're this, they're that, like you, you can't be yourself. And I think it really depends where you go. You always want to be in a role where the culture is a good fit for you and the company is a good fit for you. And luckily I've been able to find that that wasn't always the case. Um, and then I also realized like my identity is not just my title at work. And I think for so long, specifically in Latin culture, our identity is tied to our titles at work. It's tied to other identities too, that we either choose to embrace or we choose not to. But for me, a lot of my twenties was like, yes, I'm Tanya. I work at X and that was my life. And that's what I surrounded my success around. And I think 2020 was just a wake up call for me that I was like, okay, people are losing so many things. And it was kind of like, who am I? And I realized like, I am not my job. I am a multi-passionate person that knows where I come from and wants to help other people. And I knew that I could only take up so much space in my corporate role. And that's why I broke into entrepreneurship. Um, like I was saying before, it's not easy. You know, there's some days that I'm like, okay, ready to turn off coaching for like a month. I don't care about the Instagram algorithm. I don't care about being on TikTok. Like I don't give a <laughs> shit what went viral. Like I don't care. But um, there's other times that I'm so invested in it. Why? Because my it's always going to be my passion and it always brings me back to it. And I think the most important thing is a lot of people go through life being like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Mm. And the one thing that spoke to me, and I can't remember if I heard it in like a, a preacher's message or something that it was, but they said, your purpose is what you give to other people. It's not one title. It's not one job. It's not one position. It's not one milestone. It's what you give to other people and what you share with the world. And your passions are going to be the things that light your soul on fire or the things that break your heart and really motivate you to do something about it. So when I think about that, I think, you know, why can't we have both in the corporate space? And why can't we be entrepreneurs and be the director or the VP, you know? Yeah. I love, I love seeing that because it's, I feel like it's also like paving the way for others to see that there's options. Like you said, you don't have to pick one or the other, right? And if you end up picking one or the other, that's cool too. But at least you were able to experience both, whatever it is that at the end of the day really filled your heart. So I just really wanted to touch on that because I think it's so important to just also change the narrative that it's not always like, oh, you're better if you're this or you're that, you know what I mean? Like they're both so important especially in our community and just putting us at, at a better place, no matter what it is that you're thriving in. And you have room to fail. Like, that's the thing. That's exactly what we were talking about. You know, like if you go all in on entrepreneurship, unless you have like a partner that you can kind of like fall back on if things get rough or unless you have like an emergency fund and stuff like that, if you go all in on your business, you may take some risks or you may do some things or you may not have overnight success. and what, then what are you going to do? But if you kind of like stay in your nine to five and let that fund your entrepreneurship goals and what you're trying to do, it doesn't matter if you fail. Like the risk is so much less than if you were to just go all in on entrepreneurship, yeah. that, you know? Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, it's like whatever works for you. Cause obviously I think that that's the biggest thing, right? 
for some people going all in and leaving their nine to five has been amazing for other people. Like there's other type of goals, financial goals that they have that having that support with their nine to five until they're, they're truly, you know, well off is also a blessing. Um, I wanted to touch on some of the things that you help women with within your coaching programs and your coaching, which is securing, you know, a promotion or getting some type of raise, a pay raise. So what would you say would be like one of the steps that they can take to either start that conversation or getting prepared to start that conversation just for all of our amigas who are working towards getting a promotion or a pay raise? Yeah. So I always say like negotiations and promotions don't happen overnight. They happen over time. And you always want to be showing how you can add value. Um, the most important thing too, and one of the things that I talk about in my coaching course is like, what's your mindset? And on top of that too, like, what's your career identity? And I think it's really important to start to establish a career identity. Like, how do you want to be perceived? Like, what do you want to be known for? And what's the path that you're going to create? Not based off of anybody else, but based off of you and who you want to be in, you know, in your workspace. So I think creating that career identity is really important of like, who am I striving to be and what type of leader do I want to be? And then putting a value to that. So when you start to capture that information of projects that you lead or people that you've helped or ways that you've added value, like those are all things that are most likely solving problems and solving a need for any business. So when you're able to kind of um, quantify that and be like, okay, these are all of the projects that I worked on this year. These are the people that I was able to onboard or lead, or these are the projects that I did. And you put a price tag to that, or you make your ask. It's a lot, um, it's a lot easier received. It's like well-received when they already know that that's part of who you are and what you've been doing for the last five, six months. And it prepares you for that promotion. So that's more so like if you're trying to move up internally within a company, I think even when you're interviewing for a new role, establishing kind of like, this is who I am. That starts not only with your resume and your cover letter, but that first interview. You want to constantly be positioning yourself as like, I'm the person for this role. This is the value that I bring to the table. These are the qualifications that I have. And it's not to sit there and say like, I meet all of your qualifications because that's one thing that holds a lot of Latinas back is being like, oh, I don't qualify. I don't meet all of the qualifications. Never let that stop you. Like there's so many things and so many ways that we add value. Um, but yeah, just knowing the value that you bring as soon as you go into that interview, because then once you get the job offer, then when you're negotiating, it's like, wow, I'll fight for this girl. Like she's really strong throughout the interview process. She showed me different ways and things that we could implement. And then it's easier for you to add value to that and say like, yeah, I'm ready to hit the ground running. This is the value that I bring but this is the cost. Like this is, this is my counter offer. Yeah. And that is where the magic happens. That's my favorite part. <laughs> I, love and I, I know that, and there's a lot of mindset work that also goes behind this, right. To really have the confidence and know your worth that, Hey, they offered me this, but I'm worth a lot more. How do you help people through that? Or what would be some of the tips as far as like, 
just gaining more confidence for us to really get to that place where we know that we need to ask for more. Yeah. So a lot of it is mindset. One of the exercises that I do um, in the eight week courses, I go over like, you know, what are these limiting beliefs that you have? Or like, what are these things that make you nervous? What's your mindset around money? What's your mindset about um, leaders? And even like, you know, making your case or advocating for yourself with a man or a white male, you know, there's some people that are very intimidated by that. Um, A lot of it comes down to kind of like conditioning that we've had um, either our parents, you know, not advocating for their worth and settling, but that was because they had to, you know, they didn't have as much liberty as us. So there's so many different things that come up when we do that mindset work. But then when I start doing is changing those limiting beliefs to liberating beliefs, you know, how can you start changing the script of like, oh, I don't want to be ungrateful or, oh, I don't want to ask for too much and really start kind of like doing the research, the market research to back up. Okay. I'm, they gave me this offer, but I'm going to come in at this offer because the market value for this role is $15,000 higher. So I always say you want to couple it with data and then having a script, like all of my All of the ladies that I have coached, I have them create a script. We create a script together because I know how nervous, I know how nerve wracking it can be when you're on the phone making a counter offer. And there's either two types of recruiters. They're either silent or they try and like talk over you. So I always like women to create a script and have their facts and, you know, the reasons why they're qualified for more and they should be able to be um, paid more. And honestly, a lot of the times, 90% of the time, I would say that women who have not negotiated in the past or women who feel bad about negotiating or the latest one that I had was, I had one that was making, she was making, I have it on my notes here. She was making $47,000. She got a job offer that was 75K. So obviously that was like more than she had ever seen in her life. She was like, I'm going to take it. Like, this is my dream job. I'm going to take it. And I was like, no, you're not going to take it. You're going to counter. And she was like, Okay. And I'm like, and why are you going to counter? She's like, because I know that I'm worth more. And I was like, yes, it's not even that you're worth more. It's that they are expecting you to negotiate at least 20% more. So if you don't negotiate, you are now setting the precedent that it's okay for somebody to take the first offer. And another Latina that comes in and decides to negotiate it, they're going to be like, well, the bottom of the range is 75K because this person decided to take it. So that's the impact that those, Mm, that's so deep. It's like, if you settle for less, now you're messing up the range and you're contributing to the wealth gap because you decided to settle for less when mid range would be say like 80 or 85,000, but you took the first offer. So needless to say, she didn't take the first offer. They bumped it a few thousand, but I was just so proud of her for taking that step. And once you do it once, you're like, it's an adrenaline rush. You're like, oh my God, I'm going to negotiate everything. (laughs) But um, yeah, I think it's just so important for women to really pick up that skill of negotiating and being able to do that for themselves. Yeah, that's so deep though. Like going back to thinking of how you're going to change it for so many after you. Yeah. I think that's like a real pressure of like, shit, I really need to go out there and make it happen. People don't think of it that way. I had another one. It was like actually one of my first clients. She 
was a friend and we used to work together and she went for a VP role. And she, I think, was a director before she went for a VP role. And of course, the offer that they gave her for any Latina, you're about to be making $175,000. Yes, sign me up. But I was like, no, you need to pull the comps. Don't sign any paperwork. You need to know what the salary range is for that role. Because what if you find out once you get into the role that all your male colleagues are making $200,000 to $250,000? And you thought that you were getting paid well because you were making 175K. Like you're messing it up, no pressure, but you're setting that precedence for anybody else that comes into that VP role. So you being the first Latina to be in this VP role, you need to set your standard high and you need to do your research and know what is the salary range for this role so that you're coming in competitive and you're not settling for a low wage. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, Tanya, I wanted to go into the impact that putting yourself in rooms with like-minded women has made in your life. And I want to talk about that not only because you're going to be our speaker, obviously, but I think a lot of times that also is something that we struggle with, like making space for us to be in these rooms whether we feel like we are, you know, too shy, or we just don't belong, whatever it is that sometimes we tell ourselves, I want people who maybe are considering of joining us on October 29th, to just share some words on how that has impacted you and how it has changed your life. Yeah, so I think community, I think community is everything, period. Um, I think when you go back to like those things of it takes a village, I I think that that's so true because no matter what role you're in, no matter where you're at in life, I think that we can always learn from each other and knowing that you have somebody that you can talk to, knowing that you have somebody that you can share your story with or be inspired by anything, right? It doesn't, you don't need to be a New York Times bestseller, like have this role, like the people that I've connected with and that have made the biggest impact in my life are people that if you ask them, they'll be like, no, like I'm nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're like, no, I'm just, I'm just here. Like I specifically think of one person, Nellie, like if she's listening to this, she was a teenage mom. She had, I think she had five kids. Um, she was one of my managers at ASU. And when I tell you that this woman changed my life, like anywhere that I could be in a space with her, she changed my life. Like she just, her wisdom, her knowledge, like everything that she would say, the words that she would speak to me, like changed my life. That's one example of so many. So when I think about conferences, I think that conferences have so much power because you are in a room with people that are pretty much like-minded and passionate and ready and open to meet other people. Um, So I think that there's so much power when we come together in community and connect. The other thing too is, is that I do understand kind of how introverts can struggle in that community because it's like, okay, I'm going to go, but like, who am I going to go with? Or you look for that security blanket. So if there's anybody listening, you're getting an invite right now from me, like you're invited. And I think that that's the thing is like a lot of people wait for that invite and you give the invite and they're like, no, but like, what do do I go by myself? It's like, yes, go by yourself, meet other people. Um, 
I had to kind of like break out of that idea too, because when I moved to Miami two years ago, I didn't know a soul, like nobody. And I was like, okay, like in somebody invite me to an event, you know? And I would like, look at things on Instagram and I'm like, nobody invited me, but I'm coming. And I am excited to meet people because it's hard doing life alone without having that kind of like community of like-minded people that are striving and going after their goals. Um, so yeah, I think really accept the invite, take the invitation and just show up. It doesn't matter if you're coming with somebody else. It doesn't matter um, if you don't know anybody there, just show up. Yes. I love that. I feel like moving out of state definitely puts that community into perspective and how important it is for you to just have that connection. So thank you so much for sharing that. What are you up to now, like recently? And like, I want to just you to share with us, how can we support you? Because obviously like having you at the event, like we will be there cheering for you and everything but how can we support you now i'm so excited thanks for asking i'm just so excited about the conference um i think right now if you're a woman that is trying to level up you know 2023 is right around the corner if you're interested or looking to kind of like see what else is out there in the job market um definitely reach out i'm going to be doing an eight-week course called revamp camp i just did it this summer i was like I think this would be good for the summer. Now I'm like, okay, there's a lot of need for this program. Mm. Um, So I'm going to be doing that probably in January. Entrepreneur life is going to stop or like be put on pause in November, December, because I've just been going nonstop all year. I'm like, I need a break. I need to like recenter myself and get it together. But in January, I'll be back and I'll be able to um, be a group coach for anybody who needs it. And that's pretty much it. Um, I'm just really excited to be in community in Arizona. Like I just. Yes, I can't wait. I'm so excited. And I just want to thank you for supporting us, like seeing the vision. I feel like you've just been someone that has truly supported this, this community so much. And I'm just excited to celebrate together on October. (laughs) I can't wait to see the outfits. I feel like anytime you put Latinas in a room, it's like just so inspiring. I want to see the outfits. Like I want to just, I want to hear all the things. Yeah. And no pressure. Right. Cause like wear whatever you feel comfortable with, but also (laughs) bring, bring that, bring that spice, bring that fire. That's true. And I'm laughing because I'm looking at you and like, I'm loving your top. I'm like, okay, this is for a podcast. I can't wait to see your outfit. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tania, for everything. Mujerones, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope to see you guys at the conference as well. And we will talk next week. Mujeron, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Mujeron podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, share, leave a review so you can help us get to so many more Mujerones. Don't forget, you can also watch our show on our YouTube channel where you can let us know in the comments if you like this episode or what other topics you would like us to talk about in the future. Keep shining, keep working towards becoming the Mujeron of your dreams.